Welcome to the latest episode of Football Thunders, sponsored by Let Us Talk, the mental health charity using football to break down barriers, and the Proper Blokes Club, the group for men helping them to walk to better mental health and friendships. Coming up in this episode, we talk about Ralph Rangnick. I'm not sure how to say it, but that's that's the, my best guess so far. Uh, the best value for money signing ever. The best defensive midfielder. Pick, bench, sell makes it shithousery return. And we have, of course, the czar of shithousery is in the house. Talking of in the house, uh, Ryan Scott's uh, less than impressed, but more about that maybe later. Good evening, Ryan. A good afternoon. Hello. Good evening, Ryan. Dan Finch is there on camera as well. How are you doing, Dan? You, I, I'm all right. Yeah, no, I'm OK. We'll leave you're it in a, a better mood <laughs> than Ryan at the moment. Probably. <laughs> Shall we explain why Ryan's not in a good mood? Let's not go there. Okay. Let's let's not go there. We've just done it off there. Let's, let's leave it. No, but there is a, as we record this, there is a live going on, and Man United have just conceded the first goal against Arsenal, and it's contentious to say the least. We could have done a whole podcast on the rights and wrongs of what's just happened at, the, at that game, but we're not going to. We're going to move on. But first, Dan, you want to say something? Yeah. This, so this is a really quick shout out today. If you have, if you don't know, Charlie White, Wigan striker, who we spoke about on our season preview as one of League One's best players. Sadly, last week had a cardiac arrest at training. But he released a statement today, and I'll just read you the statement because I think it's nice to have some positivity in football. And although cardiac arrest is negative, the things that he says is very nice. So he said, um, first and foremost, he of course has a sincere appreciation to the club's medical staff and the NHS. They've cared for him in his last week in hospital. But he feels it's important to the story of for his story and to tell supporters and the wider public the people that saved his life was the manager, Liam Richardson, and club doctor, Jonathan Tobin. He says, as you're aware, I collapsed last Monday and suffered a cardiac arrest and required CPR. I'm told if it wasn't for the quick response of my manager, I wouldn't be alive right now and the evaluation work by our doctor. I'll forever be grateful and actions of my teammates and other staff, and I'm here to tell players about it. Thankfully, just a few weeks ago, the training staff had received CPR and it clearly helped to save my life. And I just thought that's a... Uh, in when everyone talks about negativity in football, it's a bright thing that a manager jumped to his player's aid and saved the life of a, not only a, a footballer, but a husband and a dad. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Well done to both of those people and everyone else involved. Yeah, we've, we've seen it. I think the awareness regarding that sort of thing is is much bigger since since the Moambo incident. After, Because uh, I think we've discussed this before, defibrillators are now appearing everywhere and, and more and more people are being trained. I can remember, uh, you need to Google this, many, many years ago, David Longthorne, his name was, collapsed and died playing for York City. They've named a stand after him, his heart gave out and no one had the training to, to keep him alive. Had he had possibly defibrillators and the like or the train start people around... He may have survived that. I don't know. I'm not a medical expert, but I'm just, that's a thing. So as moved a on at a pace, and we've seen Christian Eriksen in the summer, of course, and a defibrillator got to work to save his life as well as physio. So yeah, top work to everyone. Excellent. So, right, how do I say this fellow's name? Come on in, Ralph Rangnick. Yeah, Ralph Rangnick. Coming in to Manchester United until the end of the season, and then as a consultant. Is that right, apparently? Yeah, he's got uh, basically a two and a half year contract, six months to the end of the season as first team coach. Yep. And then he goes into an advisory right. capacity. My guessing is it's basically a way of saying he's going to be director of football without upsetting Aaron Fletcher and John Murta. That appointment and him staying on after his term as the coach for this season, 
I think points are direction that the club want to go. And points possibly a style of football they want the club to play because he's associated with a very particular style of football, isn't he? Which is the the, the Gagan Press. Gagan Press. He's the he, he is the one that everyone who who uh, who practices the art of Gagan Press looks up to. He's apparently the master. Is it a case? Do you think first and foremost that the board have thought our players have been a bit lazy lately? Let's get you know let's 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 get them chasing games properly. What do we think? For me, I think I think he's just a manager and not only a manager, but someone that even as director and stuff has always had um, a good record. And, and as, as you said, a philosophy, which which has worked where, wherever he's been. So I thought it was one that I didn't expect United to go with it. But I think it's a really good idea. I, he will obviously have a massive say on whoever the next manager is. Well, I'd hope he has a massive say on whoever the next manager is. Uh, and I think it's a great appointment for United, especially consultancy, because as Ryan has said before, one of the big concerns for United is outside of their management, they yeah. don't have any options. Yeah, and you leave it in the hands of, and I know it's easy to kick the kick people, but the likes of Ed Woodward. Before uh, Woodward and the others come along, who was the other guy before David him? Gill. David Gill and Martin Edwards. Now, Martin Edwards, who was the chairman who took over from his father when Alex, so Alex was around, and David Gill, they were football men. There was football in their blood. I don't think with Ed Woodward, as football was in his blood. He's just a good businessman, isn't he? He wasn't a football man. He wasn't in an out-and-out he, footballer. He is an exceptional businessman. He's made Manchester United a lot of money. Unfortunately, because he didn't know enough about football, yeah. that money wasn't spent correctly. But no, when it comes to commercial investment, uh, he's he's been fantastic for Manchester United, despite what other Man United fans will have you believe. But yeah, the Glazers will be uh, probably over, over the moon at the job he's done. But people who who are interested in the football and not the balance sheet necessarily and the share price uh, will say it's been uh, under Woodward. It's been a, a bit of a disaster, really, or not very good. But back to that's just what I think. I think because um, they've taken that these sort of decisions, they're going to take it out of Woodward's or whoever's hands because Woodward is due to leave. And it's going to be down to old Ralphie boy uh, at some stage uh, to have a big say in the uh, the next manager. Before we let Ryan loose on his club, yeah, I just just got a list of eleven players that Ralph Ragnick brought into teams that he's coached of. Come on in, Manuel Neuer at Schalke, Joshua Kimmich uh, yeah. was signed as an eighteen year old for five hundred k. Ibrahim Konate and Dio Opimakano were both bought. For under a million pound by him, so he's got talent. David Alaba is a young left back from Austria. Naby Keita, Marcel Sabitzer, Timo Werner, Roberto Firmino, and Sadio Mane. He's got he's, he's, he's talent. He's talent. And before before we get into Ryan letting rip on it all this gossip surrounding Ralph in the Mirror today, up to a hundred million pounds in January to strengthen the squad. Uh, and, and in the Bild, which is a German publication, uh, he could receive up to ten million euros if he convinces Erling Brat Haaland to sign for Man United. <laughs> Those are some of the rumours that have started already. So, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, the fact that he's looked up to by people like Jurgen Klopp as the, as I mean, it's a bit like uh, Pep Guardiola looks up to Bielsa, doesn't he? Although Bielsa at Leeds, we've not really he's done okay, but they're having a tough time at the minute, aren't they? But um, I think, yeah, it, it could be a good appointment. It's a, a steadying appointment. And if he's staying on, at least it's someone 
above the manager who knows football, which is more than we can say about Ed Woodward. Ryan, I think, I, I mean, Dan and I, frankly, might switch our microphones off for about 20 minutes. And if we do it for 40 minutes, you can do your 10 defensive midfielders while you're there as well. Because I mean, we can go off, have a cup of tea, knock one out here or there <laughs> and, and come back and still have time, have a shower and a, another cup of tea by the time you finish. Ryan, it's all yours. Well, first of all, I'm just going to say everyone's praising this appointment. But what they seem to be glossing over the fact is Man United approached Mauricio Pochettino at Paris Saint-Germain and they rejected Manchester United's approach. And then all of a sudden, Ralph Rangnick is now the name that, that's come in. So the first choice, Man United got knocked back for. Ralph Rangnick, everybody's focused on how players are playing as opposed to what Ralph Rangnick actually does. Because if you look at his coaching record... It isn't actually amazing. I think he's only won one trophy in his entire career or something. But it looks to me like he's been brought in essentially to restructure the club that's just been restructured. Because I think they had the right idea with what they were doing. However, they didn't put the right people in place. And I think now they've realised that the structures there, the people there don't have the experience to manage the structure effectively. So they brought in Ralph Ranick to push him upstairs in two years to basically shadow Darren Fletcher and John Murtaugh to basically coach them in the, the upper roles that they're taking on so that in two years he can leave with competent staff to do the job that they're not currently competent to do. The thing I'd like to not argue back, but just say in terms of Ralph Ranick's managerial history, coaching history, he's never <laughs> been at this level that he's going to be at now. This is going to be the big teller. When you look at the clubs that he's been at and, and the record that yeah. he did, he yeah. was the best manager Le Leipzig had had up until then. He was the man who took Schalke into the kind of European stage. Hoffenheim was difficult. He brought Hanover their first trip to Bundesliga in a long time. So he had does well at his clubs. This is going to be interesting to see if he gets to Man United, which is a, a new level. He's never been... Like, Leipzig are a good side but they're not a massive football club. You know, they're, what, 10, 15 years old, if that. So this is this is his big step. Can he do it now? If he can, all credit to him. It'll be very interesting to see, to see who the next manager is, who does he decide is the man for the next step. Yes, that's the big thing. They've got plenty of time. They've got, well, I say plenty of time. They've got six months or so to get that, to, to make that decision, haven't they? And you never know. They could spring a surprise and make an internal appointment. That would just upset Ryan a little bit, wouldn't it? I was going to say, I don't think there's anyone internal that can take the job. Well, that's Roy... why I say it would upset you if they gave it to It him. wouldn't upset me. Appointing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't upset me. I think people are a little bit more focused on how things ended for Ollie and the fact that he was never good enough in anyone's eyes to actually fail to see what a good job he actually did in the end because he managed to keep Man United in the Champions League places while overturning a really bang average squad and signing better players in the process. Do you think Oli, uh, that was Oli's level? He's not. He, yeah. Because oh, I didn't think he could take the club where the club needs to go. Oli was never going to get us a Champions League or a Premier League. He might have got us an FA Cup or a League Cup. That was never his, what's the right word? Mandate. Yeah, thank you. That was never his mandate. His mandate was to keep the club ticking over while they got rid of all the dead wood that Mourinho had signed and the millions and millions of pounds worth of players that Van Hull had signed and the, and the that most were still important, loitering around. The most important one was to bring back the 
it's, it's a phrase I don't like people throwing out because I think they throw it out too often. But it was to bring back the Man United spirit or the Man United way. They, they'd kind of gone off the how Man United should be done. And that was the idea. Bring back that feeling for the fan base rather than but what they had under Mourinho. But that happens with a lot of clubs. It's not just Man United. Tottenham have got us. They like to see entertaining play, play uh, football. Uh, West no, Ham. I, I don't mean and, on the And pitch, even at Charlton, but... there is a Charlton way, which is 100%. If you're not good enough, we'll still applaud you as long as you've given 100%. But that's. But I'm not talking on the pitch. I did say like that. Okay. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about the wider club, how they interact with their fans, how their managers interact with media, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, just getting that feeling back of this is Manchester United. This isn't. Jose Mourinho's Manchester United or Louis van Gaal's Red Army with his nonchalant bollocks. It's Manchester United. I think the thing that I did that most people are overlooking is United, after the failure of David Moyes, the Man United board decided to go a different way and they decided to appoint high-profile managers who demanded money to buy instant success. And because of the dynamic of the Premier League now where you've got so many clubs able to challenge at the top level, whereas before it was just Man United and another during the Alex Ferguson era. Man United basically appointed Mourinho Van Gaal and said, here's 500 million quid each, buy the players you need. And the, the youth wasn't being brought through at the same time. It was being pushed aside. So the identity of the club had been lost. So that's what Oli brought back. In terms of Ralph Ranić, I think Ralph Ranić will carry on the work that Oli's done. I just hope he can do it to a higher standard. I don't see, I'll see him having a role with uh, who becomes the next manager, but I think the next manager has already been decided. It's going to be Mauricio Pochettino. They were rejected at the moment because it's mid-season. I think at the end of the season, Mauricio Pochettino could well walk into Paris Saint-Germain and say, I don't really like it here. I want to leave. You can get a bucket full of money for me and Paris Saint-Germain will go, thank you very much. Zinedine Zidane, are you ready? Yes, here we go. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think it's going to be uh, Maurizio, as you said. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how it, how it all works uh, at Man United. Like, for me, if I was if you gave me an open checkbook, I, I'd get Ten Hag. But um, I mean, you can't can't argue can't really argue if that if they're that desperate for Pochettino, they'll get him. What I hope they will do is they will get Pochettino in. It depends on how you use the, the director of football system because some people use it wrong. The director of football should basically be there to aid the manager, take the pressure off, do the stuff that the manager doesn't really have time to do anymore. However, some clubs go the opposite route of the director decides everything from who the players that are signed to, to who drives the coach, to who does this, to who does everything. So I'm hoping what Ralph Ranjik will do is once Pochettino comes in, he will step away from being involved with the first team unless Pochettino needs him. And he will teach Darren Fletcher and John Murtock how they need to go about doing their jobs. Well, I think that's Ralph dealt with and uh, good and proper. And uh, I think that the consensus is he'll be OK and, uh, and Pochettino to come in next summer. Yep. Yep. OK, excellent. So possibly they are getting their first choice, but what they're doing is they're settling for something with his agreement. He's fully aware he's not first choice. And, and on we go from there. Just to close it off, I think what they've done is correct a mistake they made in the first place. When they appointed a director of football and that, it should have been someone like Ralph Ranić instead of Darren Fletcher. 
So I think what they've done is realise they've made the error and now they need to fix it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough ask for someone like Darren Fletcher to stop uh, to come in to 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 the club as at that high level with no experience at that high level. Uh, I think maybe they're asking a little bit too much of him. I don't know. Absolutely, he had no qualifications to do the job. Is he going to hang around and train with Ralph? This is the question. But That's in, what in, me and Dan have well, just been talking about. Yeah, not, we don't know. Like we don't know what his staff. That must be what the consultancy role is for, because why else would they keep him on for two years afterwards? Mm. If for what purpose? I, like I said, I think the, the consultancy thing is basically you it, will be our director of football, it, it sounds, but not entitled. It sounds like a, a very, by the club, un, unusually, uh, a very sensible move uh, in the short, uh, medium and long term. As I said, it, they're correcting a mistake they made about a year or so ago. Let's move on then. The best value for money signing ever. Well, I mean, I've got some very. Uh, I've got. I've got at least one that is um, uh, that's Charlton based. Uh, that's as pure and simple as that. Uh, it's got nothing to do with football in general. If you don't know football, uh, Charlton, you won't have a clue uh, who I think is the best value money for signing ever. But we're not talking about Yang Kerm again, are we? <laughs> Lord Darren Prattley, who's on my list. <laughs> we're talking about players that have. And, and I'll give you an example. I think I'll start you off with Vincent Company. When you look at how much he cost Man City, uh, Hamburg to uh, Hamburg to Man City for six million pounds. Six million pounds. I think that's in this day and age that I would say represents good value. It's. Uh, I mean, Man City hero, isn't he? That's. I think Captain, did they did they not sign? <laughs> Man United just scored for people that are, are uh, <laughs> people that are listening. Ryan's hat, we're laughing because Ryan's arms just went up. Bruno yeah. Fernandez has just scored for Man United. Oh, it's um, did something. Vincent Company was signed at the same time that they signed Tal Ben Haim and Wayne Bridge. Yeah, um, and we all know where Tal Ben Haim ended up. Charlton at one stage. Absolute. Vincent Company is a is a Man City legend, and I don't think he's right now coaching. Is he coaching at Anderlecht, but not manager? He was manager. I think they moved him on because he was struggling, but I think he stayed in the coaching setup. I think the reason they moved him on is because he didn't have his pro license with UEFA. Ah, so he... so ah. they had to step him. If I remember rightly, he started off as a coach, became their manager, didn't have a pro license, so had to step back into being a coach again. While his assistant manager, who had a pro license, basically became the manager, but Vincent Company was picking the team. Oh, okay. Well, they. He, he's given his captain's hour band to Josh Cullen, and that's a winner for me in any day. But we're, yeah, yeah, we are. I'm, I'm totally agreement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Vincent Company, we, we think another one I'll throw at you. Costing £1.5 million from a small Nor a Norwegian club called Mould to Manchester United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. £1.5 million. He won a it's Champions a good shout. final. He's a good shout. Um, he's not made my list, but it's a good shout. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you another one. Seamus Coleman, Sligo wow. Rangers to Rovers to Everton, sixty thousand pounds. Sixty grand is that 60 all? Sixty grand. That is. Cool. That's captain. a. That, that's that's a really good shout. He's captain of the club Jesus. at the moment. He's been there for donkeys, hasn't he? Yeah, he's not very good, but speaking of donkeys, but yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> uh, he, he joined in two thousand and nine. Another one. For a million pounds at the time, 
from, I think, League Two or League One. It became an England international. One million pounds, Fleetwood Town to Leicester City. Ain't no Mardi. Ain't no party like a Vardy. I mean, yeah, Jamie Vardy, gotta be surely. That's that's in as a from a striker's point of view, and how much a striker costs. Come on, deal, deal with that. Yeah. I, I can go one better than that if you really want me to. Go on, me too. Very easy. Same price. Go on. From Leeds to Manchester United, my pick as the best value for money signing ever. This year, Eric Cantona Child took a team from being almost winners to not only being winners but to set a period of dominance that's been unrivaled to this day and then there was that famous january night when he became a hero to charlton fans when he decided to take out a palace fan on that basis alone i'm with you all the way <laughs> i could do a minute's applause for him there to be honest yeah, He's got yeah, a, to be if, it, if it does help eric Cantona does have a flag at charlton games um, it so, does, yes. <laughs> and I'll give you, I'll give you my second. Just to, he just lifted that Man United team, didn't he? He took that Man United team and gave them the confidence and the swagger he, to become champions, didn't he? He was the missing piece, the missing link. That's, that's <laughs> all it was. It, we had everything in that side: power, strength, pace. The only thing we were missing was that little bit of style, that little bit of class to finish it off. Speaking of that side, the other one. Uh, Mr. Peter Schmeichel for 550 grand. grand. It's not a bad bit of business, that, is it? And if I really want to squeeze in another one, Dennis Irwin, 800 grand. Peter Schmeichel was described by Sir Alex as the bargain of the century. You can't argue with it, can you? When you look at his career overall, I mean, I know on this podcast I've downplayed him because he's mad and he's not as good as Edwin van der Sar was. But if you, he's still an icon of Manchester United and an icon of football anywhere. Yeah. And yeah, it was a ridiculous price. But that was what prices were like back then. You know, that's the way it was. Football's come so far now. If you were to try and buy an Eric Cantona nowadays, you're looking at about 150, 200 million, not a million quid. And if you want someone like a Peter Schmeichel in his pomp now, how much did Juve pay for Gianluigi Boot? How I think much that's did 32. Chelsea play for as a, What's his name? The, uh, the Kepa, uh, what's his face? Arisa Bagalaga. Kepa. How much? We're 60? talking 60, 60 plus yeah. million? Yeah. 70 million pound, I think they paid. Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you one, another one here. A Frenchman from AC Milan to Arsenal for 3.5 million pounds. Roy Keane's best mate, Patrick Vieira. 3.5 million pounds for Patrick Vieira. Come on. He's, uh, he's on my list. I mean, yeah, that's not a bad deal, is it? <laughs> uh, at the peak of his prime, how much would he have been worth? Oh, shit ton. You, you look at about 80 million. <laughs> so that's one of the greatest bargains of all time. 3.5 million pound, I would argue, is a bargain. Can I hit my two? Go on. I don't have a big list because uh, I won't lie. I forgot we did this and this was a bit of a late push for me today. So, because I was too busy focused on defensive midfielders. So my first one, the price tag is a bit high. Well, not high, but N'Golo Kante cost Liverpool £5 million. Pounds. Yeah. Liverpool, Leicester, sorry, £5 million. Pounds. I was yeah. going to say, when did he go to Liverpool? That's yeah. <laughs> he, he got stole. How much did he I go mean, for? 30, I mean, it wasn't that much. I think he didn't even go... £32 uh, million. Pounds and £32 million pounds for a They made £27 million <laughs> profit. And walked to, and, and in that time, also won a, league to, a Premier and League And a World title. Cup. And he won a World Cup, Yeah. <laughs> 
and he's arguably in now going to be involved in our next category. Yeah, we'll, we'll see him later. I'm sure of it. I'm sure we'll see him <laughs> later. Uh, other ones, other ones. Hold on, I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to know your personal ones. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold as on. Well. There's one more that I yeah, want to bring up because I don't think it will get them mentioned because it's Scottish football. Oh, go on. Henry Larson <laughs> cost Celtic six hundred k. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, went on to play for Barcelona. Fair comment, fair comment. And Man United. Yes, yeah. I mean, and also one that won't get mentioned because I think people won't necessarily see him as a fantastic player. However, I think James Milner to Liverpool for nothing yeah. is also a fantastic yeah. bit of business. Did they get him for nothing? They got him for nothing. Wow, that's a fantastic bit of business, to be fair. I mean, it, all right, business, uh, not necessarily on footballing terms, business terms, John Stones left Barnsley to Everton for £3 million. They sold him for £47 million. But that, uh, that one's pure financials because he was shit then and he's still shit now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they do similar with Jolie and Lescott as well? Yeah, uh, Nicolas Anelka from Paris Saint-Germain to Arsenal, half a million. Ryan Giggs to Manchester United from Manchester City for nothing. If, Tim, what, Tim Cahill, well, Millwall to Everton, £1.5 million. And the galling thing about that was he was signed, sealed and delivered as a Charlton striker uh, player. And Everton, David Moyes sneaked in at the last minute. Uh, and Kirbishley's, but the big, one of Kirbishley's big regrets is he didn't make Cahill sign when he, when he should have done. The contract wasn't ready for him to sign. A comment on Angolo Kante. Obviously, we said he was worth £5 million. Mm-hmm. Arsene Wenger did an interview not long ago with Ian Wright. And he, Ian Wright said, who was the player you wished you signed? And he said that he had a deal to sign Angolo Kante when he was at Bologna for 300 grand, But they pulled out of it because he basically they hadn't seen him like in the flesh. So they pulled out grand. of it. And then, and then I think it's Khan, Khan, I don't know how to pronounce C A E N. They came in with a bigger bid and he went to Khan, but he was so close to being an Arsenal player for 300k. Yes. Another one, another, all right, another signing, value for money. Uh, making, now I, I was watching that there's a, a thing on YouTube and it's David Dean, the Arsenal chairman, with Arsene Wenger in conversation with Dermot O'Leary. It's quite good. And the, the story, it's about Sol Campbell. And it's Sol Campbell on a free from Spurs to Arsenal, which I thought was a terrific deal. But the funny thing in the story was that they did not let anyone know. No one had a sniff that who Arsenal were signing. They kept it so quiet. They literally had him behind a curtain in Arsenal kit. They invited the press. The press thought it was a crap announcement, someone rubbish, because they'd heard no whispers. So they sent their second best journalists along. The top journalist didn't go. One of the journalists who did go was a guy from the Mirror who was a Tottenham fan. And when the curtain uh, pulled back and he saw Sam Campbell, he just shouted out, Sol Campbell, you utter, rhymes with something to do with next Tuesday. Well, it is. Uh, See you next Tuesday. He gave it the full, the big beans, because he really wasn't happy. This was a journalist who was supposed to be impartial. But yeah, Sol Campbell to Arsenal. I think, hell of a deal. So in you talk about my favourite one. Yeah, this is what and this I is. think. In current day, so this this one I say now, it will tell in five years' time, two years' time, whenever this person moves on, will tell on. if it was. Uh, Erling Haaland cost Dortmund eighteen million pounds. They're going to make a serious profit on that kid, aren't they? It's, it, yes. it's, it's going to be yeah. tasty. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, what are we looking at. Is it what's the latest quote for price for him, Ryan? Do you know? Fifty uh, mil. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because at the end of this year, he's got a release clause of £69 million. Is he, pounds. 
that is why nobody went for him this summer, despite everything that goes on. He's got a re- he's got a release clause because that's that's how they get their players. They bring them over and they're like, they do it in all of the the Red Bull clubs. They're like, we'll give you a release clause so that like you can move quickly up. It's, it's Bundesliga law as is well. It Bundesliga law. Oh. Every Bundesliga player has to have a release clause. Obviously, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it could be, and I think like Lewandowski is something stupid, like three hundred million. But every player does need one in their contract. I didn't know that was in Germany. I knew it was employment law in Spain. Yeah, Germany as well. Germany as well. But if you're looking at money and making money, how much did Manchester City get for Jaden Sancho when he went to Dortmund? And then how much did Dortmund get? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Dortmund made a big... <laughs> that yeah. one was value for money. Dortmund. 75 million quid they got for him. And so, I imagine yeah. Dortmund would have only paid... Maximum. No, not even that, because it would have probably been a, a an in-court job because he was 17, He was a kid, 18. so you're probably looking about 500 yeah. grand. Yeah, he wouldn't. With really, add-ons, wouldn't possibly. Oh, let's look, look it up. Who's... Out of all those signings, is Cantona your favourite for you? Is that the one for you? You know, the best... The Best value for money in your, as far as you're concerned, regardless of any, if anyone's heard of the player or whatever, is that? My brain says yes. My heart says no. My heart will always belong to Lee Sharp signing from Torquay to Manchester United. I think that was for peanuts as well. I think it was about 250 grand or something silly like that. I'll have to Google it. But yeah. Lee Sharp was one of my heroes growing up. He's one of the players I idolised. He was a young kid anyway. So, you know, that that one will always be my favourite, no no matter what happens. That He was the person that I became a Man United supporter for. Right. Jaden Sancho left Watford at the age of uh, 14 for an initial £66,000 to Man City, rising to £500,000 of add-ons. He then transferred to Borussia Dortmund for a, a, in a region of eight million pounds. Oh, okay, still made a thought. massive profit. They, yeah, they, yeah, they've ten times. Just to clarify, because I've just quickly googled it, Lee Sharp cost the Man United two hundred grand from Turkey United, an, wasn't it? Another one that the price tag I think is irrelevant, but for the player he was, someone that Ryan has already spoke about on this pod, Edwin Van der Sar cost United two million pounds. Yes, that's decent. That's not decent. bad. <laughs> and I think, I like if I remember rightly, he went to how much did he go to Fulham for? He, was, I think left, he was more than he? that. He was a world class keeper at the time, wasn't he? It was amazing. Juventus only sold him because they got Gianluigi Buffon million, and they wanted yeah. him. Seven million. Yeah. Seven million. So Man United put, pulled Fulham's pants down because we got him for even less than they signed him for. <laughs> okay. Uh, my best value for money signing, and it's purely emotional, and it's, it's as I've mentioned him already, Jan again came in on a free for Charlton. Dan's shaking his head, but that's just, that's my. Sorry, that's, no, that's. That's not because of Jan. I've just read something, but well, it's NFL related. Okay, so but, uh, uh, yeah, Jan, uh, and I vividly remember being in the tunnel uh, at uh, at the Valley on a Tuesday night uh, when Charlton were going great guns with the Paul Hayes and Bradley White Phillips. The, the night we signed <laughs> Kermagant on a free, we were handed a piece of paper and it said Charlton have signed Jan Kermagant on a free transfer. First thing we all did was get on Google and try and find out who the hell he was. And the only thing that kept coming up was a, a, a crap penalty in the playoffs semi-finals for Leicester. And the fact that Leicester hated him. At no stage when he signed did we have any idea of 
what an absolute legend he would become, as far as I'm concerned. And it's bromance, and I don't care. Yeah, so um, when we signed uh, Jan Kermigan, Pete's love child, we went to a Sheffield United game, and uh, Jan came on, and I turned to Pete and said, he's going to score any minute. Uh, he'll probably score from this corner. We, I think we'd seen him once. I think he'd made his debut at MK Dons. And this was the next game. Pete laughed at me and, and told me just to watch the game. Uh, Stevens whipped the ball in, Jan scored, and then Pete had an argument with some Sheffield United security men because the Sheffield United fans are throwing coins at us. But that's irrelevant. <laughs> Jan, Jan's a hero. Jan's a hero. He becomes an instant hero. But that's what, what that's not what made me love the man. It's just the way he played football. He was such an underrated player. That game also, one of the funniest goals I've ever seen. And it wasn't because it was a strange goal. It's because as Bradley Wright Phillips is about to hit the ball into the back of the net, he knows he's going to score. He knows so so it's so obvious he knows he's going to score because he was giggling as he hit it. He you could hear him giggling. We could, you could see him laughing his cock off, absolutely howling, wasn't he, Dan? It's a beautiful image. I remember watching him as he went round, and you noticed him laughing and thinking he's. That's taking the piss. <laughs> He's just walked it round the keeper. I wish I could remember who. I have a feeling their keeper might have been someone, Anthony Amy or someone. So it was it was a reasonable name. And Bradley walked around him like he was he me. Went round him, danced around him, started laughing, and put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, glorious. We owned Sheffield that season. Ryan, have you got any further personal favourites or Dan? Dan, have you got? We've done yours, Ryan. Dan, have you got a personal? No, no, I think. I think mine's N'Golo Kante. I, I genuinely think really? the he's become is... Yeah, I love N'Golo Kante. I, I, I have a bit of a crush on him. Again, he'll come up in the next in the next segment. £5 million for his quality. The fact that he only went to Chelsea for 32, I think is a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a good deal in today's market as well. Excellent. Right. Let's uh, put a cap on that one, I think. Uh, the next one is uh, best defensive midfielders. I'm just going to take a back seat, let you two get on with it. And if you've missed out any of the ones that I've got on my list, then I might bring up a couple of old and big goldens. So I think I'll leave it down to the youth in it. Daniel, you're going first, are you? Yeah, Darren Prattley, done. Move on. Let's go. Next one. Matter <laughs> <laughs> Stan Kishishev when he played there. Uh, thank you. Uh, just Darren. Uh, no, but so anyway, I, um, I have a feeling a lot of the names that me and Ryan have are the same. But I'll start with the top of my list. Uh, Ryan, last week when we moved on to defensive midfielders, Ryan made the comment that he knew exactly who I was going to pick and said, was he French? He was. Oh, Macaulay's on my list. That will shock absolutely nobody. Um, is he the only French one on your defensive list? Defensive midfielder. No, because Kante's on the list too. Is there another one? <laughs> no, because a lot okay. of them are probably out of my out of my range. But they might be on Ryan's if he's a 90s boy. Well, no, I um, just, I'm a bit surprised because that's not actually the French central midfielder I was thinking that Dan was going to give the special mention uh, to. All right, can I have a guess so who I think you think, Ryan, that, that Dan was going to say? If you say Paul Pogba, I'm leaving. I'm thinking the water carrier himself, Didier Deschamps. No. No. Right, go on then. No, I thought he was going for a Charlton connection and he was going to choose Cockerland. Because obviously oh, he was no, with you boy, guys. He's not that good. <laughs> you know what? I disagree because after he came back from Charlton, there was a couple of years where he was really top dog at Arsenal. And then for some reason, the, the manager came in, just didn't. I think it was Emery who just came in, didn't like him, mm. sold him. I don't him. understand. He, I do, as I've said this before to Dan, his first appearance came on as a sub against Leeds United away at Ellen Road. He came on 
And he walked onto the pitch and he bust it. He just bust it for the last 20 minutes of the game. And I remember talking to the manager, Bob Peters, afterwards. Uh, off off record, we'd done an interview and it had been what a good performance. And I, and I just said, I literally said to him, how the hell have we got Coquelin playing for us? And he went, I know, I know, we asked, they gave. He said, didn't think we were going to get him. He's he's way better than anything we've got. And he this was. And Johnny Jackson said, played with him a handful of times, puts him in his team, all-time Charlton team. He's that good. We played Millwall at the Valley, and any Charlton fan knows that us playing Millwall is Horrible. a slog. Yeah, it's not nice. We haven't won since I've been alive. So that's that. But funny. Francis Coquelin, we Francis Coquelin played against Millwall at the Valley, and it was the most boring nil-nil because we're shit, and we had Francis Coquelin. So we were shit at doing anything. But every time they tried to do something, Francis Coquelin was on the pitch. So it was the most boring nil-nil ever. Uh, but it was all down to Francis Conkerland. So but, as much yeah. as he's not on my list, I do love him. But he's not going to get on that list because he's not not proven himself to be the quality of the list that we've got so far. Who else have you got, Dan? Uh, so can we can, uh, we, do, can like, we just stick with my Didier Deschamps for a second, though? Is that, that's not is that not arguable? Oh, he's on my list. He, he made my list absolutely. He was that. He, he was part of the reason why Zinedine Zidane was able to do the things that he did because without him. He wouldn't have been able to do it. It's much in much the same way that Pogba now relies on Angolo Kante in France to to be able to make himself look really good. It was the same with Deschamps and Zidane. Maybe Man U need to side Angolo Kante then. <laughs> well, you're funny that's you should an, say that. He's not been in a Chelsea team for a while. Is he that's not? an improvement. That's an improvement no. on Fred. I'll give, I'll give you that. <laughs> I don't know. Fred got black man of the match the other day, though. Let's 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 be fair. We've we have listen. We've stuck the boot into Fred enough times, but hands up to Fred. The last couple of games, he's done okay, hasn't he? Yeah, Every anyway. horse has his day. I suppose. So, yeah. yeah, come on, in, Dan. <laughs> uh, my next one is well, modern day recent. Someone I don't think gets the credit because of the team he played for and their expansive style of football. But Fernandinho at Man City. Mm. He's first up. He's thirty six now, and he's still and he it. is still one of the best, one of the midfielders in the Premier League, and also you know played many times out of position. I really like Fernandinho. I mean, I know Rodri has kind of taken his spot now, but Fernandinho had been at the club a long time, and as I said, he was getting on 35, 36 and only recently has he lost his spot. So and I think he will never get the credit he maybe deserves because of who he's around. But and I also. Like if I remember rightly, he didn't start that well at City either, did he? No, no, no he no, wasn't very good at first. Okay, yeah. Now you got an argument there. Uh, you got more? And trust me, I've got more. Um, then going back to a few weeks ago, we discussed kits and we discussed AS Roma. Now, one of the players that helped me fall in love with AS Roma, Daniel De Rossi. Oh, what boy! <laughs> <laughs> Animal. Animal. Another another footballer who I loved. What I think who was I talking about the other week? And I said the reason I loved watching him is because he just used to kick the shit out of people. Lorenzo Amoruso at Rangers. Same Amoruso. Same for De Rossi and Gattuso, who's also on the list. For some reason just watching him smash into people is absolutely fine with me. <laughs> and also for De Rossi, I don't know if you've seen the clip when Italy didn't make the last World Cup. Uh, the manager wanted to put De Rossi on with like 10 minutes left and he grabbed the manager by the throat and told him that he doesn't put him on. He puts him in the air. 
<laughs> the manager then forced De Rossi on, and obviously Italy missed all. But um, De Rossi, not only is he fucking bonkers, also a great footballer. Okay. And then um, the last two on my list, like, top tier, Roy Keane. Yeah, yep. United. I mean, don't really need to explain. I think we've talked about Roy Keane enough drove on here. That Roy team. Keane drove and, uh, that and team. Andrea Perlo. No, he was a playmaker. He wasn't a defensive midfielder. Yeah, he I'm sat not deep him... towards the back. Well, he's yeah, at he Milan. Did... That, that last run, he played in front of the back four. Yeah, because he's yeah. But that's, it, that just made him a deep line playmaker. That, that yeah, it's a big difference. He's, he, he wasn't a defensive midfielder. And yeah. one one that everyone would say, I always I always have one that I disagree with. I, I'm not having Sergio Busquet. I'm sorry if you put me around those players, I'd be good too. Right off I, you go. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on Sergio Busquet. First one I'm gonna bring up. He's not made my list, but it's a bit of a contentious one for me. So I'm gonna ben see Watson? what you guys think. No. Patrick Vieira, would you say yes. he was a defensive midfielder? Yes. 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 And he should be up on that list. And I'm going to disagree with the both of you. And I'm going to claim that he was a box to box midfielder. And the man that was next to him was actually the defensive Emmanuel midfielder. Petit. Petit. Yes. Well, now I think what you'll find is they took it in turns. I think Petit's massively find, underrated. I think you'll find they took it. In, uh, uh, they took it in turns to if one bombed forward, the other would sit back, and vice versa. That's how those two played. That's what was so successful about them. So at times they were defensive midfielders, and at times they were attacking midfielders. But you can't deny that those two could put a tackle in. They could seriously put a tackle in, and the defensive midfielders tackle in, which is an essential part of the, the defensive and break up play. And they did that, and then they had, they could release each other. But they both had an attacking bent about them that, that meant that they could pick a pass. Uh, so they were both gifted defensive midfielders, I think. Daniel? The other one that I... So when I did my research for this, one that kept coming up that I in no way agree with, Nigel De Jong kept coming up. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. No. Ha, why? No, I don't think he was. He was just a thug, wasn't he? He's not a good. He was just not good, was he? I mean, no. Well, no. To, to be fair, he was. He started off as a, as a right back, uh, who then got moved into central midfield. He did all right in central midfield, but he was nowhere near the caliber of players that we're talking about, in my opinion. Um, I'll come on to another one. I don't like bringing this name up, but Can I have I, to bring this. Before you up. say that, Cristiano Ronaldo's just scored his eight hundredth career goal. Just scored it. Okay, I must be on a time lag then. Oh, you just threw a different one. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm on a time lag then because nothing's happened yet. Oh, well, he's going to score. Oh, well, you're a bad score. He's about to score. <laughs> um, career goal. Carry on, yes. The name I'm going to bring up, I don't like him as a player. As a manager, he's been very successful. Oh, well, but as no. a player, I don't like him. And his he's name is Diego out. Simeone. Can't argue with him. I don't like what he did to David Beckham. So then you shouldn't like Cristiano Ronaldo either, really. Hey, that little wink. That was well, no, because I don't like I don't like Wayne Rooney, so I don't care about that one. That that that, 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 Ronaldo, <laughs> no, no, that, that Ronaldo that Ronaldo wink was a hundred times worse than anything Diego Simeone did. I've got to tell you, that's your own teammate. You've just got you, you, he's gone off, and you're having a laugh and a joke about it. Really, no. shit houseery though, isn't it? That is so you've got to respect it on a level. Oh, yeah, but no, yeah, there's yeah. a certain level where you have to accept it. But Diego Simeone, reasons. I think he's up there, definitely. Yeah, I agree. There's one that I don't think Dan's probably heard this name, but I know Pete will. 
there was a certain Brazilian man who was the most un-Brazilian Brazilian you've ever met in your life. Dunga. Can you name that man? Yes. Danga. For me, I think he was probably the best defensive midfielder of all time for the simple fact of playing in that team that he played in over the years. And he had some phenomenal players in with him. Rivaldo, Ronaldo, Romario. Yeah, the Mario. list goes on and on. He basically had two defenders and him to defend. And he basically ran a midfield on his own. I would um, argue, because everybody else was piling forwards into the fullback. Brazilian side would not have got been as successful without that man playing. I yeah. Just, just had to clarify, I didn't know Dunga is, but I think only because he managed Brazil. But right. um, <laughs> as, you, as you said, Brazil, another name came into my head that I don't think will ever get again. Another one that I, I liked as midfielder. It's a position that I just like to watch. And Clebison. when I was younger, Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> Gilberto Silva was the name I was going to shout out. I, I like Gilberto Silva. Um, underrated. Finger, really he was absolutely quality. love him. He says the rock. He's the rock that that team was built around. Under, under, uh, underappreciated by many Arsenal fans as well. That's a I'll, good shout. I'll give you another name. Rodrigo Possibon. <laughs> Do you remember Rodrigo Possibon? <laughs> he was Brazilian. He wasn't good, but he was Brazilian. Talented in Cholton about some defensive midfielders. Uh, Pete, your favourite defensive midfielder at Cholton? Oh. And if you don't say Christian Bielik, then me yeah, and you are having Christian Bielik is there, up there. Chris Powell had a thing about defensive midfielders when we went 1-0 up and there was 20 minutes to go. And it would be uh, Dorian Davit would come on and sit in front of the back four. He was a centre back. He was a centre back who would just cause mayhem. It was as predictable as it was just so predictable. You just knew that uh, twenty minutes to go. Twenty minutes to go. One nil up. We're hanging on for dear life. Oh, he's warming up. Here we go. Dorian Davit's coming on. That's how it went. There was breaking the news. Game. Arsenal have just scored again. Yeah, yeah no, we, we were trying to give you the. We were, giving we you were, the we were hitting you. <laughs> <laughs> there was a game. Cholton played Crystal Palace at Sellers Park, and Ricardo Fuller had scored. Cholton, the Cholton fans, we were all over them. We were dominating them. In they the, couldn't. Oh. We had Royce Wiggins was playing left wing and making them look stupid. Ricardo Fuller scored a screamer, and I thought I'm going to watch Cholton beat Palace at Sellers Park. Then yeah. 60 minutes comes up. I look over to the bench and I thought, oh for fuck. The board goes up, Wagstaff comes off, Davik comes on, and Palace win 2-1. I was like, fuck off. Bielik is the one, though, Chris. He, he anchored that League One side that got promotion. Another one that was very brief at Charlton, uh, but shined brightly in that brief time, Diego Poye sat in that role. And uh, it's just a crying shame what, it, uh, what happened to his career. It's his own fault because he, he went for the money at West Ham and the big time, never made it under Big Sam. And then I think he's now a weightlifter or something else. It does something. He plays yeah, he's a bodybuilder. Bodybuilder now. But mm. as a defensive midfielder, for one for so young, he had it all in front of him and he, he squandered it, I would say, possibly. Alex Song? Alex Song, well, we saw him. He was uh, he came to Charlton as uh, on a loan, and he was a walking red card. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't look at a player without getting booked. Uh, when he first came to Charlton, he was <laughs> he came to Charlton on loan, and I think he he had he got sent off. Christ knows how many times, but he was class as well, class. Uh, man, obviously. I'd like to give a special mention to Darren Fletcher because before Darren Fletcher got sick. 
Um, he, I think he was on his way to becoming a, a far bigger player than yeah. people gave him credit for. Fergie would deliberately pick him for the big games against the big players because he knew he would do a job. Can, uh, then the complete opposite of Darren Fletcher, someone in that and the Man United team that emerged at a similar time that I, I thought that man should never wear a Man United Aaron shirt Gibson. in his life. No, no, no. Tom Cleverley. Oh. <laughs> no Not stage was he a Man United shoulder, player. But yeah. No, no stage in, no. In, in, in anyone's anyone's I know one or two get through, but like, like Ralph Milne being signed by Ferguson. But uh, Tom Cleverley is the most non Man United player I've ever seen in a Man United shirt, other than Fred when he's bad. Right, Ryan <laughs> made a comment to me about oh, oh about three or four years ago now. And uh, the more <laughs> I think about it, the more I think he nailed it. Tom Cleverley in English football, not great. I think if you put him in on the continent, it's good. Could have been a very, could have been a very okay. good player. I think that's to the style that that would suit that would suit him. Technically, extremely gifted. I'd like to give Nicky Butt a shout out as well because he was an understudy for so well, long. But I like Nicky Butt. I thought Nicky Butt was a very good defensive midfielder. I uh, yeah. You don't. Unfortunately, he had Roy Keane. Uh, Roy Keane and Paul Scholes in front of him. You're not yeah, getting in. Yeah, it, it's a shame, but. Uh, and I thought he, he, he went to the wrong club with Newcastle. Went to Newcastle, got injured. Wrong, yep. club, wrong club for me. If you just look at his performance in that Champions League final when we didn't have Skulls and we didn't have Keane and he was in there with David Beckham in the centre of midfield, he, he was, was, he was phenomenal. There, though, but he was good enough to be in there regardless of who, rather Roy Keane no, or I Skulls. Think, I think uh, that's the point that Ryan's making. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It was totally good. I'm emphasising it that he was totally good enough. He wasn't out of place in that Man United side. If when he came in, he never looked out of place playing. I don't think he looked out of place playing for England when he played for England. No, he didn't. He was a very underrated player in my can opinion. I, can I give you the most overrated defensive midfielder in history? His name's Eric Dyer. <laughs> overrated footballer in general. Um, I don't get how he's got an England cap. I don't get how he's playing for Tottenham. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't know. I don't rate him in any way, shape, or form. Whether he plays defensive midfield or centre back, he shouldn't be anywhere near a Premier League side. He's Championship at best. David Batty, I'll give another overrated one. Yeah, no, no, David Batty was decent. David Batty was decent. Uh, anyway. without, without David Batty, Blackburn and Leeds United are not winning league titles. Seriously. Just, I've just thought of another name that's not on this list that should be Xavier Alonso. Not Mikael. No, not Mikael. Sadly, I saw another one we've seen play for Cholton. Mikael yeah. Alonso's a tricky one because I wouldn't quite have him down as a traditional defensive midfielder. He's more in the Busquets reign of more of an anchor man than a defensive midfielder. But yeah, same okay. position. Can I can I chuck a few names at you? Go on, Graham Souness. Yeah, not before too my time. Young. Yeah, too young. Uh, a defensive midfielder who liked to... One of the hardest players to play football. First appearance for Rangers, he got sent off. Google, uh, YouTube, his first ever tackle for Rangers and his first ever red card. That tells you all you need to know about Graham Souness. Played in that Liverpool side that dominated Europe in the late 70s and 80s. Uh, another one, Edgar Davids. What do we think? Because I think, is he a bit overrated? He was decent. But no, oh... I thought he was amazing, but I wouldn't have had him down as a defensive midfielder. He was a box-to-box warrior. Uh, from watching him at Juve, he just pummeled people into submission with pace and power. 
I wouldn't have had him as a defensive midfielder. I've had it from someone who's, who's played alongside him, with him and for him, that he was an utter twat. I'm not going to mention the Dagenham wingers. I um, <laughs> I watched a Barnet wingers. Barnet. I, I watched uh, an interview with a, a former Barnet player, ironically. Oh. Um, Jamal, Jamal Lowe did a podcast and he said that they did a training session where Edgar David was pinging the balls around the and basically okay. if they didn't copy him, <coughs> they were getting fined. So he wanted players of conference, conference, conference premier. No, they, were, they weren't pinging 60-yard balls, they were being fined. They were, they were League Two at the time. No, this yeah. is when they went down to the really? conference. He yeah, was Jamal, not... Jamal, Jamal Lowe was saying in the interview that they went down. This is in pre-season to get ready for the conference. If you were pinging, when he'd have a drill where he'd put a ball down, he'd get his coach to stand the other end of the field and you had to ping the ball to him. If you didn't, you were fine. I, I sat on a on a tube train from Watford back to London with a former player of his uh, who was at the time was one of his then current players. Uh, and we sat on that tube and he spent 20, 30 minutes slagging off Edgar Davids. The players hated him. Uh, but that's but as a player, decent. Um, one, okay. there's one name that I kept coming up from, not from my generation, more from yours, cool. and I might absolutely butcher the pronunciation. Luther Mateus. Luther Mateus. I was coming to him. Luther Mateus, unbelievable World Cup winner, uh, but he could get forward and score goals. Um, look at his uh, goals from the 1990 World Cup. Um, there's there was a goal he scored in in the stadium in Milan that was out of this world. Uh, uh, an unbelievable player. Wasn't he substituted in the 1999 European Cup final because they thought they'd won it and he sat on the bench while Bayern Munich self-destructed, yep. if I remember rightly? Because that was the crowning moment. That was going to be the finish of his career. I'm finishing on a high. I'm winning the European Cup, beating Man United. And there was a picture of him on the bench looking uh, less than happy at the end of the game. Less than happy as the second goal went in. The picture from that game that is burnt forever in my mind is a central defender by the name of Sammy Kufour, who played for Bayern Munich. He was laying on the floor on his hands and knees, beating the turf with his fists because he could not believe they'd lost. That is forever burnt in my mind. I was watching watching a programme about Champions League final the other day, that Champions League final. And when I looked at, you know when Man United lift the trophy and you see it? Yeah. One of the one of the players at the front is Jonathan Greening. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those <laughs> rare people. He's one of those rare people who never played a minute's worth of Champions League, but has, has got, got a medal. A medal. Got a medal. I was cracking up. Yeah. He's on the bed. I had to Google it. it. Turns out he was on the bench. I was, and do you know I was who parted, parted hardest, hardest at, parted hardest, parted, parted hardest out of all that Can team. Buy that again. The substitute. David May. He loved every minute of it. Oh, that man to <laughs> cock. Absolutely. Oh. Apparently, was uh, the last one off uh, out, off the, uh, the the uh, out of the bar in the uh, absolutely set up. I'm a European Cup winner. He sat on the bench. But Greening, yeah, Greening, really, he got a Champions League medal. Five hundred. Yeah. I think it was five hundred grand. We got him after we signed him from York after they did us royally in the cup. I think they did us about three 0 and we signed him. And yeah, he ended up on the bench for the final and got a Champions League winners medal. I'll tell you, he's got, tell you he's got a Premier League medal. His name's Ben Hamer. Scott Scott uh, Scott Carson too. Scott Carson. Ben Hamer's got a uh, Premier League medal uh, for uh, for yeah for getting his ass numb. I've got another name. One more name. 
Hold on, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. No, he shouldn't have a medal. He's got if one. He didn't play so, a game. Yeah, but the club, the club, he played one game. He played one game. But the club changed. The rules changed. No, I thought it was supposed to be ten games. So you can, so you get a medal for. They give out medals for everyone that has played more than ten games. However, the club can then purchase. Right. Okay. Gotcha. For the rest of their squad. So technically, anyone that has featured will get them. Because there wasn't there a player that they had until January. And then they buggered him off and he only played like eight games. I can't remember who it was, but, but he they got sent a medal. him a medal. Yeah, it happens most clubs. The entire first team squad will get a medal. Because um, I cause I remember when that, the season either before or after that, was it Cambiasso that played and then went on? Oh, talk someone, about defensive midfielders. Hello. Yeah. yeah, hang on. There's a name, actually. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone that moved on in the January yeah. and had only played a handful of games. Then got a medal because he played. It was someone stupid as well, like Gokan Inler or something. I yeah. can't remember. Um, Frank Reichard's my last uh, submission. Frank Reichard was uh, was up there. Let me tell you. Going back to Lota Mateus, just very briefly, it's reminded me of someone else that maybe should have been on this list but didn't make it. And that's Matthias Sammer because he was supposed to be Lota Mateus's heir apparent at, at Dortmund. Yeah, but he wasn't. Um, but he. Whatever happened to him, he, d- he didn't make it, did he? No, he, he did okay. He had a decent career, but he didn't reach the heights of Lota Mateus because you'd have to go some, I think, to get anywhere <laughs> near Lota Mateus. Well, I've just found out who the player was that got a go Premier League medal for no apparent reason. Go on. Paul Koncheski. Was it really? Yeah. He, got, he, was, he was at Leicester on loan and started the season. So he got a Premier League medal. There you go. Uh, are we down with defensive midfielders? I believe so. We are. It's time to pick bench cell. Oh Jesus! This is this is Ryan's favourite part. Of the week. <laughs> He's well, no. in a whole week of this bollocks. <laughs> well, you're you both have actually got it really lucky this week because mm-hmm. last weekend sure. was my yeah because last weekend was my fortieth birthday. So I was away for the whole weekend. So I haven't had time to go through Charlton's lists of central defensive midfielders. And it's not that many. Uh, and and torture you all with it. So it's Cockerland all the way through. Just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Cockerland, Billick on the bench. Everybody else can fuck off. You both get a pass <laughs> this week. I'm not prepared on this one. He's giving you the right answer. In fairness, Daniel. Yes. Uh, Roy Keane and Golo Kante, Claude Makélélé. I'm starting Makélélé. That should be a shock. Absolutely not. Right, Keane or Kante. <laughs> I'd bet. I, oh. So this is the question: Are we talking just straight football, or are we talking all 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 incumbent defensive midfielder? So you're picking them as a defensive midfielder. You're picking the position defensive midfielder. Uh, so actually, that doesn't really matter. I'm probably going to have Roy Keane on the bench. He's and not then, going to be. At and, the end of the day, and, like he's not. Go At the end of the day, like he's not going to be happy about that, is he? Uh, although I I don't know, oh, I might put Golo on the bench, but. I'm oh. starting Makaleli regardless. Oh. Now you know what? Sod it. And Golo Kante's on the bench. Roy Keane's going. Sorry, Roy. Oh, I've assassinated the defensive midfielder at the end of the day, like. <laughs> really? Roy, Roy Keane's being sold. Yeah. Brian, Bye, Roy. same names. Uh, Roy Keane starts for me not only because of his qualities as a defensive midfielder, but also his captain. Credentials. I think he's probably been the best captain that Manchester United have had since Brian Robson. <laughs> and since Roy Keane's retired, I don't think we've had a captain on his level. 
Angolo Kante makes the bench and I sell Claude Makaleli. As good as Claude Makaleli was, Angolo Kante is just as good and far more mobile than Makaleli was. So Makaleli gets sold, I'm afraid. Mm, interesting. Any more, Dan? Are you going to set? Are you going to set? Yeah. So let's let's chuck one in. Um, Who's this for? Shall we do either? Both of you. Let's do, do a dirty bastards one. Eh? Do a, we could do one a dirty oh. bastard for each one of us. Who's going first? Am I getting the first? No, one? no, no. I've got I've got three, and then you two can decide who you start. You starting in it. So Daniel De Rossi. Yeah. Gennaro Cattuso. Oh. And, and then yeah. Roy Keane as well, because he's a bit of a dirty git as well, isn't he? So. Out of those three, I think Roy Keane starts. Gattuso's not playing. I'm benching the other fella. De Rossi. De Rossi. Keane, not, De Rossi. I, want, I kind of want a world where all three of them are in a team. Just go and kill. But would Ryan? That be... I don't care. Just gotta let them go kill. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, Roy Keane can get a goal. Ryan, what do you think of that? Those three, because I'm I'm starting Roy Keane in that one. I'm starting Roy Keane. Yeah, Gattuso's on the bench, and I sell De Rossi. No, Gattuso's yeah. going because he was uh, he was just a uh, he was uh, someday maybe shit, someday maybe good. He was. Just... I was wait. I was waiting for you to call him a liability to remind you that you picked Nemanja Vidic last week. <laughs> I just think he's a red card waiting to happen. Now remind me. Nemanja Vidic was in your starting centre-back yeah, last move year. Move on, move on. <laughs> My life didn't depend on that one. Any more, Dan? Is that it? Are we done on pick, bench and sell? Yeah, mild one well, tonight. No, I think this, the defensive midfielder is such a... What's the way of putting Midfield, it? Midfield, full stop, is a difficult position, isn't it? But at least with central, central, if we're just talking general central midfielders, I think you know you could, do, you could do pick, bench, sell for... We'll be doing it all fucking year. Defensive midfield is such a specialist role yeah. that I don't think there's too many people that you can put on that high of a pedestal because it's such a specialist role. Yeah. Okay. So next week we'll be doing you central midfielders. No, I do. Central midfielders next week, which encompasses attacking midfielders. Because we're going to be playing a 4 4 2, I think, aren't we? Well, 4 3 with a holder. Yeah. So, uh, so we've got our defensive midfielder. We're looking at midfielders next week. Midfielders that can. Darren uh, Prattley. Yeah, it's going to be your standard away. No, no Ben Watson? No, I thought Ryan was going to be the one that made the Ben Watson joke, so I'm impressed no. it was you. All right, we're going to move on, move on to Plonker stroke pundit of the week. Who's the Plonker or pundit right. of the week? Plonker pundit of the week is something I've come up with because I'm sick and tired of listening to crap oh. for, come out of pundits' mouths. And I'm not talking about crap in the sense of they don't agree with my opinion. It's just They're sheer... talking shit. Dumbassery, if you will. I hope Danny um, Murphy's on this list. Well, oh, originally, no. I was going to give it to a Mr. Gabby Abonglahor for announcing on national radio that he takes 20 minutes to boil an egg. <laughs> um, <laughs> seriously, kid, you not. Really? On talk Yeah, on talk sport. Talk shite, please. Get it right. Yes, it is. I've come to realise it is talk shite. <laughs> I did help the winner. Sorry, however, that's got me. I know it's amazing, right? To boil an egg. Seriously, <laughs> if you go online and just go through some of the talk sports videos, you'll stumble across it. However, <laughs> the winner to go from humorous to just downright dumb. The winner actually goes to Jim White, also of Talk Shite Radio. Oh, he just opens his mouth and he's talking bollocks. 
I've lost both of you. I'm still here. Sorry, I was We've too busy chuckling. We've lost Ryan. That, I mean, Ryan's disappeared, but I would. Just, I'll, get <laughs> you, I'll try and get him back while you um, <laughs> comprehend that Gabby Agbonlahor has managed to <laughs> has managed to um, take twenty minutes to boil an egg. Obviously, not a soft boiled egg. It's going to be a hard boiled egg, isn't it? What the state of that egg when it comes out? Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's he doing to it? I don't know. Is he, uh, is he sitting on it trying to hatch the fucker? Fucking incredible, that. Isn't it? To be <laughs> I'm just thinking he's trying to hatch the bastard thing. Um, just uh, like while we wait for Ryan, just talk sport do have. You know, we're still still going in the absence of Ryan. Um, talk sport do have some fucking terrible pundits. Jamie O'Hara is another one that, oh, every time oh, I yeah. speak, I I'm understand. waiting for something fucking stupid to come out of his gob. I sit and watch Match of the Day, and when Danny Murphy comes on, two things happen. For a while, I'll sit there and tolerate it and want to punch him, and then I'll switch over because I can't I can't listen to the twat. He's just such a, a negative, unless they're wearing a Liverpool shirt. He's just negative. We've lost Ryan completely. He said, finish without him, so we're going to finish without him. And, and Gabby Bonlaw, that, I would say, is a bit of shithousery right there. Talksport putting Gabby... Bo- but Talksport are doing this. They've got players like Jamie O'Hara, who failed to achieve what he should have achieved as a footballer, slagging off Tottenham for players for not achieving what they should achieve. At... I don't, I'm not having that, and I'm not having Jamie Ara, and I'm not having Gabby Obonla. pair of them can hardly string a sentence together. No, do one, the pair of them. And Danny Murphy, just because I hate Danny Murphy. I I detest Danny Murphy with a passion. Dan, shithousery, let's get that done. Right, this week's shithousery, sadly, it's, it's not as good as last week's shithousery. Well, I don't um, think we've ever... I watched that, that would enjoy us. And I don't think we can beat... <laughs> the shithousery, the level of shithousery that occurred last week. But carry on. So last, so last Saturday, this week, we, 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 we're a worldwide podcast. We've, we've been in Europe. We've been to USA. This week, we're in South America. More, more in particular, Brazil. Oh. Palmeiras, the league leaders, were playing Flamengo. Yes. That's a big game in Brazilian it's football. Huge, two huge, two yeah. very, very big sides. Yeah. We're in added time in extra time. I assume it was a cup game. And the Palmeiras striker, Davison, some of you might know. Yeah. He's having a bit of a... He's having a words with, with the strike, with a defender of the Flamengo team. Yeah. They're, they have a little bit of a scrap. The referee comes over, separates them. And <coughs> yeah. Pushes Davison away. Now they take a few steps and the referee taps Davison on the shoulder. Davison does not see who's tapped him. Uh-oh. And flops around on the flies around on the floor like someone's <laughs> just shot him from the stand. Only to get up and realize the it's man the that the man that's tapped him on the shoulder and he's tried to buy a foul off was the referee. <laughs> who has then obviously booked him for play acting? Genius. So, <laughs> good try. <laughs> I appreciate your effort, your effort, Davison. However, I mean you've come up short, but I, I thought that was quality shit out of That I always can't give a first and a second, so I'll, I'll go with my second. Yeah, go on. Um, my second goes to for no apparent reason. I just found this funny. It's not. 
I don't even know. It's borderline. I think it's shithousery. Some people won't. Arsenal, uh, Aston Villa played Man City last night. Yeah. Uh, Man City's fans are, they're away end at Aston Villa. It's just where the Villa boxes are, where, yeah. you know, yeah. hospitality boxes. Hospitality. Yeah, one of the Aston Villa fans had printed off a picture of the Champions League with a big X across it and stuck it on the window. So all the Man City fans did for 90 minutes was try to abuse this bloke who kept showing them a picture of the Champions League. <laughs> Love that one as well. Well played. <laughs> on, on signs, one of my favourite uh, moments of shithousery, Charlton fans, when they uh, went into the press area and unveiled a banner that said liar with an arrow pointing down right where Catherine Mayer, the chief exec, was sitting. That, my friends, is shithousery. Uh, that, that was top stuff. And it was fair I'd comment as well. I had a good view of that and all. Fair comment. Where were you? Up the north. Up the north. Oh, no, no. Yeah, this was after I'd left. I, I, um, I'm surprised at the commentary team. Right where the commentary team was sat, they didn't uh, stop them from doing it. I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't have stopped them if I'd have been there. You weren't right. there, weren't you? you no, I wasn't there. No, I'd left by then. I'd gone by then. I'd quit by then. Right, uh, that's pretty much it, I think, for this week. Uh, next week, it's midfielders, isn't it? And we'll we'll, we'll come up with some other things to, to uh, talk to, talk about. Don't forget uh, to follow Let Us Talk, the mental health charity that uses football to break down barriers, and the Proper Blokes Club uh, for Men. Uh, they're walking. They are, they are adding new walks every single week. Walks all over. Find, join them both on Facebook. Proper Blokes Club, go to Facebook, and uh, there are clubs near you popping up now. And and uh, her game two girls are going well as well, by the way. Yeah, just to mention, if you do follow uh, the Football Funders on Twitter page, Fball Funders, if you don't, uh, we mentioned uh, the Let Us Talk had a game in Eastbourne this weekend. It's been cancelled. Uh, we got a buy into the next round as the other team can't fulfil the fixture. So keep an eye on on that. We should have some more games, hopefully, just after Christmas. So okay, we'll keep you updated with that. Uh, Ryan's had to leave us because his computer's shut down. Uh, Dan, thanks very much. No problem. Thank you very much. Cheers from me, Pete Finch, and everybody else here at Football Thunders. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Ta-ra.